0: Hello everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in the series we're doing on the church. We're 10 weeks in and uh, I think the church is a great subject so we we still have a little ways to go. We're gonna we're gonna be talking about fellowship this week and next week and then actually for a few weekends we'll be talking about Christmas because that seems appropriate and then we'll come back and we'll talk about being a people of mission as we wind down our series on the church and Uh, I'm excited about the future, too. I think I have a great series coming up on uh, um, just with some direction from the Lord. So I think it's going to be really good. I'm excited about that, too. So that's always good to be where we're headed. This is the Advent. We have Christmas everything. And it looks good on the video, doesn't it? (laughs) I want an impressive background like that every weekend. That's awesome. So um, anyway, we're talking about the church. And uh, we'll continue to do that. I do want to say briefly now, I've already said it nine times, but ten times going in. Remember, whenever you read about the church in the New Testament, it's about people. Either the people of God from the time of Jesus till now, or um, well, the time of Jesus, earthly ministry till now. Jesus has always been, so let's just correct that. Or it's talking about a group of believers in a specific place. It's always about people. And so when we talk about the church, we're talking about people, we're talking about you. You are the church, you're the church now, corporately gathered. When you leave here, you're still the church. 24-7, you're the church. I want that to sort of settle on you, change your mindset perhaps, um, and get away from the idea that church is an event, that's something that we go and do. You're always the church. We do gather corporately, that's an event, but, but you're still the church, even when you're not here. The church, uh, when you're not here inside this facility, the church has just left the building, and you're to be the church wherever you go. So I, I want that to resonate with you, that the church is about people, it's about you, you're the church. Because it's about people, it's also about relationships. And we've been talking about particular relationships in this series. Our relationship with God, our relationship with the people of God, and our relationship with the future people of God. That this uh, All these are impacted in the context of the church, I believe in four dynamic areas that we have been reading about as we studied the early church in the book of Acts, and that these four areas are the area of worship, we're to be a worshiping community, discipleship, we're to be a discipling community, fellowship, it's a big part of what we do, and ultimately mission. And, and so we're, we're digging into each one of those areas, we're looking at some scripture, and we're talking about what that means to us as the church. So right now, we've started talking about fellowship and... Um, I said to you from, from the, uh, a couple of weeks ago as we started the talk that one of the best ways we can learn, I believe, about fellowship is to study the one another phrases in the New Testament. And that there's quite a few of those and that the bulk of them can be divided into three areas, um, unity, love, and humility. Last week we talked about the importance of unity. In the body of Christ, um, today I want to talk about love, and next week we'll talk about humility, and that those three things—they all sort of very dependent on one another. You'll you'll never have unity without love and humility. You you won't love people well without humility. Um, without humility, you know, you know, without without love, you—it's hard to be humble. It's all those things really work together uh, in the importance in the importance of this idea. We all you know, and Christian fellowship then is is believers in Christ coming together. In unity, love, and humility to mutually support and encourage one another. Uh, and so we've been looking, as I said, at a lot of one another verses, and we'll look at some more today, and we'll talk about loving one another. Uh, that was the intro transition into the whole thing with a bad joke or two. I actually got two bad jokes in the email this week, so it saved me some work because usually it's a lot of research finding a bad joke, but the blessing was I got two appropriately bad jokes. And they showed up right in my email from two different people, and I couldn't decide which was worse, so I thought I'd let you. The first one is a note to Algebra Dear Algebra, please stop asking us to find your ex. We don't know where she is, and she isn't coming back, and we don't know why either. Not bad. Do you know what the problem was in the Garden of Eden? It wasn't the apple on the tree. It was the pear on the ground. All right, all right. right. Hey, they emailed these to me. (laughs) Don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) Scripture reading here on purpose. John 15, verses 12 through 17. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So I want to talk uh, today about this idea of love in the body of Christ, love in the church, loving one another um, as believers, as followers, and how important that is in the process. And there's a fascinating one another verse that talks about this. There's quite a few that talk about love, um, and they're sort of all over the place. But I like this one in particular. And this first point in your notes is this, be devoted to one another, In brotherly love. Point number one, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. That's from Romans 12.10 which says just that, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Now it's a fascinating verse because of um, the words that are in there that that are translated for us. Um, The word devoted is a neat word. And um, and then that last word, brotherly love, is also a very fascinating word. Now, the idea of um, devoted. Um, this is a neat word. It's it's philostorgos, and uh, in the Greek, it only occurs once in the New Testament. Right here, So only time it happens in the New Testament, and and it's um it's that word storge that's very important. It's a part of that word. It's a root part of that word, because um, storge is one of the types of love that um, the the Greeks defined in their language. That when we see those words, um, we only have that one word, love, for it. But, but the, um, the, some of the ancient, more ancient languages had better descriptions in their, in their words for these ideas. And the way the Bible was written there the, and, and understood in the Greek, um, this word would have a specific meaning, this storge, this philo storge. And uh, it means a tender affection, or um, in the King James it's, it's translated pretty well a kindly affection. I like that. It's a kindly affection that starts with. So the verse starts with that we're to have a kindly affection for one another. There's that other word that all alone that we talked about and what that means in brotherly love. Um, brotherly love. Most of you know the word when I tell it to you. It's Philadelphia because that's the city of brotherly love. That's why it's, it's Philia, And it means um, brotherly love, which is a... Um, a, a friendship love a, a, a sort of a family love um, these, these love words they're, they're fascinating words C.S. Lewis wrote a great book if you ever get a chance to read I, I love C.S. Lewis and the book is called The Four Loves and uh, it's, a, it's a great read and um, he defines the four loves for us um, agape which is what we see often uh, and, and it's sort of the godlike self-giving love even towards enemies this is the love that comes from the fruit of the spirit that we read about. This is an agape love. It's God-given, um, and it's, it's, it's beyond what we can comprehend as we move into it. It's the love that he has for us. Then there's a philia uh, love, philia, um, which is the, it's, a, it's a friendship love, a camaraderie love um, that's very important. Then there's an eros love, which is the love of romance and desire and sexual attraction. And then there's storge. And storge is... Um, the love of affection that arises through natural attachment um, and so it it's descriptive of sort of um, uh, very sort of comfortable things um it, it's uh it's it's like the the feeling you get when you sit in your favorite chair it's uh It's a feeling that you get like um you it's an, it's an affection that you can have for your dog It's even affection that you can have for people um, that you're very comfortable around that you're you're very attached to. And so it's a, it's a fascinating word um, that happens there. And, and what happens in our verse is we have this, this, um, this fascinating description of this love that's an unkindly affection for our precious family in Christ, the people that we're to feel comfortable with. And, and that in that comfort with one another, we're to have a kindly affection that takes place in the process and so it's a it's a kindly affection that's the storge and then it's the philia love which is a the love the friendship love the the camaraderie love the family love even um, that happens there in the process and actually that that family love is is that philia is uh is the one that requires a c.s lewis said this in his book i'll run this by you you can see what you think just as a just as something to think about because it's something i've been thinking about um but he he said if, c.s lewis says that eros that, that sexual love, he, he says that eros love takes naked bodies, but the philia love takes naked personalities, and I really like that, because see, in order for philia to happen in the body of Christ, we have to be somewhat transparent, somewhat uh, vulnerable, somewhat open. And and I think that's a really major deal that, that, see, we have this going on in the process. And so so what we're looking at is a kindly affection for our our most precious family in Christ, um, where we're willing to be vulnerable and open and transparent with with people that we relate to in the body of Christ. Why is that so important is the second point. Why is it important to be devoted to have this kindly affection um, in the process? Uh, in John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus said this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. So this kindly affection of our most precious um, family in Christ is a witness to the world around us of the reality that God is our Father. That's why it's so important. See, it's it's a it's a witness to the reality that God is our Father, and so the idea is that when we're together um, with the people of God, we're not only to treat them the way we want to be treated. We understand that to be golden rule stuff, and that's that's a one way that we operate. But but in the body of Christ, it's a, it's deeper than that. It's it's um, we we need to um, we need to uh, let people see that then that, uh, that, let ourselves understand that God wants us to love one another because we're his kids. See, we're his sons and daughters, and he wants us to have an affection for one another. And that's why this is so important in the body of Christ. See, the church, and we've talked about this, it's people, it's more than an institution. We, we are the family of God. And this is another thing that has to resonate with us. It's not just an event that we come to with some people that we like and some people that we don't like. Uh, and it's not just something that we come and do for a little bit of time and then we go. We are the body of Christ. And when we're together, we're to have a kindly affection for the other people in the body of Christ. And we're to have that even for, for the, the, the people who, who meet as part of the body of Christ in other places. You know, as long as the basics are in there, we're to have a kindly affection. Even if we don't agree with them about everything, as long as we're on track with Jesus and the basics... Um, there's a core of things that we need to hang on to. We're to have a kindly affection for them and for one another. It's important when it happens here. You know, um, people laugh sometimes at me because I say this thing to people all the time when we're here together. I say, you're my favorite. And I'll say it to one person and to some, a lot of you have heard me say that, or to a group of people or whoever I happen to be with, I'll just say, hey, you're my favorite. And they look at me like, well, you say that to everybody. I do. That's a representative sort of comment of kindly affection. And I mean it. I mean it, you guys are my favorite. I love coming here, uh, and I, I do. And even when I, if I'm having a struggle with someone, I really can work back to a place where I have a kindly affection going on um, in the midst of it, because I care. Be- because, see, we're his family, and, and I take that very seriously. We're the family of God. Now, and that's been a big deal for me to figure out, because I, I didn't, maybe you never, but I sort of grew up in a dysfunctional family. Um, I don't know about you, Uh, Maybe your family was the perfectly functional family, but most people I know have a measure of dysfunction in their family. And we were sort of separate uh, from a lot of things because my parents moved here from England, and so all of our family was back in in England, all of them. Um, They moved here by themselves just before I was born with my sister and I. And then add to that that we moved literally every six months to a year for my entire life. My dad built power plants. We were constantly on the move. And so... um, because of that, we grew up without the, you know, um, uh, big family sort of thing. We, we had family, but we were, like I said, dysfunctional, and it, you know, it, it was, I'm not picking on it, but it was a mess. Um, but the idea of big families and what that looks like and that whole dynamic has been fascinating for me to learn, and I've learned it, you know, in the church. Um, And now, you know, I'm blessed now in my family that they're all around us still, nobody's, the kids are here and the grandkids are here and we get to enjoy one another and here at church, I mean it's a big family thing, it's family to me and so we start to learn about what this family deal is all about and you know in your families, anybody here have anybody that's uh, sort of difficult in your family? And yet you love them, you know what I mean? It's, it's for the most part, unless they got, you know, some, some major issues where you have to put... But you still love them, even in, in, in their mess, because they're your family. And it's like, you might have some things to say about them, but don't let other people talk bad. You know what I mean? It's, oh, no, no, yeah, you don't. What are you talking about? It's my family. See, there's something that goes beyond um, just sort of a normal thing that, that happens in family. And the church is a family with God as our Father. And so um, as his family, our devotion to one another, this kindly affection, this tender affection that we're to have impacts the future people of God because they begin to see and maybe understand the idea of God as Father as a reality. We drop that term out all the time, God is our Father. But do we understand what that means? That makes us his kids and we become family. And so that needs to transcend a lot of things in our lives. And we're to treat one another with kindly affection, even if we don't see eye to eye. Or have a falling out or a disagreement or whatever. You know, we need to, to understand who God is and, and what this means and what he expects from us. And he expects this from us in his church, that we're to have a kindly affection for one another, even when it comes to things that we disagree on. Unfortunately, too many times in the church, people don't like each other, and it's a terrible witness to the world um, because they go, well, who wants to be a part of that mess? And so we're to have an affection for God one another. So my thing, my third point is this, and well, how in the world are we supposed to do that? How, how are we to love like this? Um, because it's not always easy to feel a kindly affection f- for um, brothers and sisters in Christ. Not always easy. And I have two thoughts about that um, that I want to share with you as we, as we sort of close. First, um, we cannot do this without the help of the Holy Spirit. So if, if you're initially going to go, I can't do that. No, you can't do that. You, you won't get that right. This part, But the Spirit of God can help you to love like this, and it's part of what He does. Galatians 5, 22 through 26. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love. There's that cool love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no long. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful natures with its passion and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other. So with the Spirit's help, we can begin to love this way in an appropriate way with the people of God. Even if we're not quite agreeing on everything, we can still have... And the affection comes from the idea from the Spirit is, hey, these are, these are people that love God too. And maybe we're not seeing everything eye to eye, but that doesn't mean we're right, they're right. We're not supposed to be poking each other, provoking each other and envying each other. And who's right, who's wrong with it. Just, just if, 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 if I get a sense that, that you love Jesus, we're, we're family. And, and that's what we're looking for, and, and so I have an affection for you, even if I don't agree with you or everything you say, I have an affection for you that goes beyond that because it's a supernatural thing, and it's, it's something that God wants us to have for one another, he calls us to have that to one another, and then secondly, I think the biggest, for me, the biggest part of this is um, we have to operate in grace, tremendous amounts of grace are required in our Christian life, and and... We won't ever extend that kind of grace to people if we don't always think about how desperately we need the grace of God. I know for me, every day, I desperately need the grace of God in my life. I cannot do this on my own strength. I cannot do it by performance. I cannot do it by rule following. I'm a, I'm a mess apart from him, um, and, and I need grace. I need it every day, constantly throughout the day. I need his grace. I need it extended to me from other people, and I need to allow it to flow through me and to extend to the people I meet. And see, what grace does is allow me, um, a lot of times, even if I'm having some sort of difficulty with somebody, to understand that, that underneath all of it, it's just issues being resolved. People have issues, I have issues, and maybe they've, they've sort of hit each other. Um, but it's not, you know, where, where God would have us, and he's not done with us yet. So we can extend grace to people um, until they get there. Again, last week I talked about, you know, there can be boundaries put in place and there's things that happen that sometimes, you know, telling someone no is not unloving. It might be the most loving thing that you've said to somebody. So there's, you know, there's balance in all these things. But there's, there's a process that says, but I, I have an affection for you. If you're in Christ, I have an affection for you. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's not something I can work up in my own strength. But it is something that comes from the Lord. And so, you know, that, that idea of, well, you're my favorite, I mean that. Um, it, it's something that, that's, you know God wants for us to have for one another, and, and to walk in that tension. And so I got a few more one another's about this idea of loving well. I want you to consider this week. I put them in your notes. First uh, Thessalonians three twelve. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as our does for you. See, it's that God's got to help you with that increase for um, each other and then everyone else. But we have to love each other. We're not going to get that next part about mission. Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So There's the idea again of serving one another because of this love we have, considering others better than ourselves. Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. We'll talk more about humility. Next week, but I wanted you to think about that. First Thessalonians 4.9 uh, Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. He's teaching us to love one another, even in the midst of having to struggle through it. That's how we learn it and what that looks like. So um, that's all I had for this one. I want you to consider that and think about how you might press into that and how to love well and love transparently and love with a kindly affection and uh, in, those, in those places where it's difficult for you so I love that stuff whenever I, this stuff becomes difficult to me then I say Lord I'm going to need your help here and, and I always ask him too would you let me know what it is why, am I, why is this difficult why is someone anybody here ever have is it hard for you for certain people does anybody ever strike you the wrong way rub you a little no, no none of you one of the things that you need to start doing I think this is really helpful when that happens ask God why so God is so cool. He'll really help you with this stuff. Don't just say, oh, I don't like you and so I'm going to treat you badly. Or, you know, with contempt or with sarcasm, or whatever. Why am, why am I feeling that way? What is it that's causing me to feel that way? It might be some healthy intuition that wants me to put a boundary up. Or it might just be I'm seeing something in myself that they're, they're doing that I don't like about myself. It could be that, too. That happens sometimes. I don't, maybe never to you, but sometimes. To me, that's happened where I, I think this person kind of bugs me. Why? after a while I get there, and then I oh, because of that, oh, I do that, that's why, I don't like that in me, so, I, I but you know, but I, I still love me, <laughs> so I have to work that out, anyway, think about that, um, and, and uh, it's very important in the body of Christ for this thing to happen, unity, love, humility, we'll talk about humility next week, and I'm looking forward to that, and then we'll spend a couple of weeks talking about Christmas, and um, then we'll, we'll move into being a, a church with mission, But that's good for today. If you're watching my video or TV, thank you. Appreciate you doing that. Love for you to come and visit us if you get a chance. And uh, stop by. If you need prayer, go to our website. And um, there's a prayer page there. Put in your prayer request and we'll pray for you. Or you can call us. We do it that way too. And uh, we look forward to seeing you soon.